Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode. My name is Daniel, the psychology student, bringing you his two cents from his tuition, paying it for it through his tuition, through the textbooks, through the lectures, so you don't have to attend them. I do it, I strip off all the nonsense, and I give you the essentials. Today we're gonna talk all about first aid. This is meant to be like a beginner's introduction guide. Whether you've never done first aid, whether you've done a little bit, this is just a kind of taste test sample for anyone that's interested, wants to know a little bit more about it, this video, this episode is for you. As always, you can find this stuff on YouTube. You can find Daniel Teaches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I appreciate all of you for listening. So, a little bit of background about myself. I started doing first aid courses in around 2015. I worked as a lifeguard from 2016 until 2020. Took a break during COVID and then came back. So I've been certified in standard first aid, CPR, AED, level C. Now. What I'm going to tell you is not exactly like the level that we're trained because we might be a little bit more than the regular layman. But these are things that I think everybody should know, like the basics of a first aid scenario. When you go out, when you see something, maybe it happens to a friend, a family member, or a complete stranger. In my opinion, everybody should know first aid, like at least the basics, because the basics can save lives. You do not have to be trained in CPR to do CPR on someone. I mean, 100% serious. If you're ever out, you see someone unconscious, you call 911, and the person, like the, the operator, they'll tell you, they'll say, do you know how to do first aid? And you maybe say no. And they say, do you know how to do CPR? You maybe say no. They'll talk you through it. Now, mind you, it's not gonna be excellent. It's not gonna be as good as had you been trained in CPR, but what I mean to say is it's possible. It's possible, it's practical, and it's doable. You just need someone to convey the knowledge in a concise manner so that we can all understand. Now, if you're a nurse or a doctor or, you're, or a paramedic listening to this, this is gonna be way below your, your pay level. This is gonna be very, very obvious. But maybe to someone who doesn't do first aid, there's gonna be a lot of interesting stuff in this one. So, whenever we think about first aid, we think about helping someone. We think something's just happened and they need something, some sort of treatment. Treatment could be encouragement, verbal. Hey, everything's gonna be okay. Treatment could be as small as you giving someone a Band-Aid, putting that on. Treatment could be, oh, you were out bike riding, you fell, scraped your knee, there's a cut, you go run under some cold water to prevent infections, wipe it off, then put a Band-Aid on. Folks, that's all first aid. And if you are at a restaurant and someone has a heart attack and you start helping them out, that's also a form of first aid. So don't think, oh, first aid is only limited to the most severe, uh, the most deadly of, of injuries, because that's not the case. We wanna help people, whether it's at a small scale or at a larger scale, to the best of our abilities, all right? So I'm gonna give you just a very surface level idea of what goes, what should go through your mind when you're out and about, going through town, and if someone needs help. I'll give you personal examples of things I've had to deal with working at a swimming pool and things I've had to do when I was just out and about, uh, walking around town and just by accident came across certain things. The first thing that is really, really important is our own safety. We don't ever wanna put ourselves in danger when we are so tunnel vision and thinking, how can I help you? The first question that I'm always taught, that I was always told as I was recertifying these first aid courses every year is, is it safe? That should be the very first question. What's interesting is in the future, I might do a self-defense video as of sorts, and it's the exact same question. Before we get involved in an external situation, the first thing we gotta think about is, is it safe? Now, I'll give you an example. If you're a lifeguard at a swimming pool and some kid runs, falls, hits their head and is lying down, and I'm so eager to go over and help, should I run? 
Why did they fall? Is there a, a pool of water there? Right? These are things to consider. You might be uh, off in the highway somewhere. Someone's trying to run across, they get hit by a car. Some wonderful civilian gets out of their car to run across and help them, and they get hit by a car. That sounds ridiculous, but believe it or not, there's biological explanations for when we see something, when we see a, a, a situation that, that almost puts us in a shock, that takes us back for a second, we tunnel vision in. It's as if our surroundings, our peripheral vision just disappears for a small period of time and we just focus in on right what's in front of us. And that eagerness of, I gotta go help, I gotta run in there, actually might put yourself in danger. So the very first question, whenever you come about someone in town or something is, is it safe? Let's say, for the sake of argument, you're walking around in the street and you see someone passed out lying down on, on the street. If you don't ask, is it safe? And, you, and if you just walk in there and ask, I mean like in your head, you don't have to say it out loud. Let's say, what if he got beat up and mugged by two or three guys and those guys are still standing around? Is it safe for you to now go help out with those guys in close proximity? The answer to that, ladies and gentlemen, is no, probably not, right? Another case is if someone's down on the ground, you don't know why. Turns out um, there's puddles everywhere and there's this sign that fell into the water. There's wires. He maybe got electrocuted. Oh, it's raining out. There's puddles around him and your shoes are wet. Is it safe for you to go in there right now at this moment? So that's the very first question when we see someone who needs help. Help can be in many different facets. It can, usually the, one of the biggest things for help are facial recognition. It's actually not verbal. A lot of times we tell people, oh, you gotta hear, someone's gonna yell help, 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 I need help. Folks, the majority of the time, people actually don't yell for help, especially men. If a guy was gonna go mug someone, okay? In a, let me be careful how I'm about to say this. Women are more likely to shout and make noise if they get attacked by someone. Men are less likely to. Think about, do with that information as you will. So one of the biggest things that we gotta remember is it's not always verbalized. One common thing that we see in restaurants or when people are eating, they start choking on food. When someone chokes, what do they do? They cough. This is called a partially obstructed airway. Partially obstructed airway means it's obstructed in the sense that it is impacting my breathing, but there's just enough room for me to be able to cough and get that air out, all right? And the best case scenario in that when someone's at a restaurant, you encourage them to cough. What do adults do at a restaurant? They do the complete opposite. They try not to cough because it's rude. It's impolite. They, they hold it in, which is what you shouldn't do. So if you're at a restaurant or if you're out and someone starts coughing on food, jokes aside, the best thing you can do is encourage them to cough. Another common scenario that happens at a, at a restaurant is the person is coughing once, twice, three times. He says, excuse me. He goes off to the bathroom. Guess what happens? One of two things. If you're lucky, one, he coughs whatever it was out in the bathroom. He gets better. He comes back. Scenario two, which is worse, is whatever's lodged in that person's throat goes from being partially obstructed to what we would call fully obstructed, meaning now his entire airway is sealed. There is no more coughing. When that happens, the face starts to go purple, and our friend is going to go unconscious very, very quickly. And guess what? Now he can't yell for help, and he's going to go into shock. And as he's freaking out, boom, he's out. Not only that, if he's standing and he goes out, then he hits his head and goes out. And now he's in the bathroom for God knows how long before someone finds him, calls 911, figure out what's happening, he's not breathing. And it's a bad situation. So 
If ever someone's choking, partially obstructed airway, if they're coughing, it's a great sign, encourage them to cough. If they are not coughing and they are choking on something and their face starts to get, immediately call 911 for this situation, immediately. Look, you've had uh, times, I'm sure, where you're eating dinner, you're eating lunch, you eat something too fast, you start coughing, you start choking on something, look, it happens, it's common. But fully obstructed, when you're choking on something and you can't cough, that one's scary. And immediately, folks, you call 911. Whether that's you and you call 911, whether that's someone around you who's with you, call them 911, say we have someone who's choking and they are not coughing. They'll understand what that means. Now, the second thing that you do, as long as I'm talking about choking, I might as well go on about this a little bit more, is uh, you go behind them, which is called J-thrust. J-thrust and also back blows. So if you YouTube this, I'm sure you've seen this in movies. The guy comes up behind them. It's just a little bit below the belly button line. And essentially what you do is you tuck in your elbows and you want to push their intestines in and then up in this kind of J letter, if you will. So you're really coming in and then you're coming up. You do that five times. You bend the individual over and then you hit him five times in the back, right in the middle of their shoulder blades. Once that happens, you bring him back up. Again, do J thrust. It's that repetition back and forth. Again, folks, this video is just for educational purposes. Listening to this is not like I'm gonna tell you the exact details of what to do. I'm leaving a lot of things out because I don't want to overwhelm you with this first video. This is just a taste test and then you can go YouTube the individual thing. So based on what I've talked about, you can go on YouTube, what to do when someone's choking, a partial airway obstruction, full airway obstruction. Uh, it used to be called the Heimlich maneuver, if I'm not mistaken, J thrust, back blows. So that's just, a little bit of a knot for you there, all right? Whenever we think of first aid, if we wanna go from the most deadliest thing possible and then work our way down. So if, I'm, if I see an individual who's hurt, my first thought isn't, oh, maybe he's got a small paper cut or maybe he's got a, I don't, a twisted ankle. I wanna start from the top and start checking off the things and go, okay, it's not a heart attack. He hasn't broken his neck. He is breathing. There are three things that I want you to keep in mind. Now, there's so many other ones, but just for the sake of this video, there's three things that are extremely important when you come across somebody. One, we call the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. That means, are they breathing? If you ever come upon someone and they are not breathing, what does that mean? That means oxygen is not getting to their brain. What is oxygen? Oxygen holds, um, there's, a lot of nutrients, a lot of things that the brain needs in order to function regularly. When that does not happen and when the brain does not get oxygen, guess what happens? Certain parts start to die. And when that happens is due to a lack of oxygen, the brain can hold on for a certain period of time. The last time that I was in one of these courses, they said, look, you got about four minutes of someone not breathing that they can come back and hopefully there's not permanent damage. They said after four minutes, you're looking at permanent damage, if not death. So one of the biggest priorities, whenever you come about someone, so if someone is lying on the ground and you you're driving late at night or you're walking it down, so someone's out on the ground, the first thing you gotta ask is, is it safe? Can I approach them? If the answer is yes, your second question should be, what happened? What, did anybody see what happened? If a person's lying down on the ground, your first question should be, how did you get on the ground? Did you fall? Were you sitting and then you just rolled backwards? Did you get kind of dizzy and someone helped you down to the ground? What happened? Why is this important? Because alongside your breathing 
A second thing that is extremely important is a spinal injury. Now, a spinal injury is anything where an individual hits their head. So in swimming pool talk, the biggest way that this happens is if someone's walking or running on the pool deck, they slip, they hit their head, or maybe if someone dives in the shallow end, or I've even heard of a story of a gentleman who went to dive in the deep end, but he didn't recognize there was a person just underneath him, like who swam a meter down. So as one guy's swimming up, the other guy dives, pop, they both collide, both unconscious, face down in the water. How fun is it to be a lifeguard? So if we are talking about spinal injuries, this is what I want you to think of. Our nervous system is extremely powerful. When you want to reach and grab a cup of water, there are so many things at play here, from thoughts to actions to the different muscles in our body, from our deltoid, which is our shoulder, down to our triceps, our biceps, what's going on in our form, our fingers, the, the ability to grasp our thumbs. Before any of that comes into play, the part of our brain sends a signal to our body and says, hey, I want you to grab that cup that's in front of me, or I want you to grab that steering wheel. All right. When we send that signal, that is when all the muscles come into play. If you have a bad spinal injury, that's when we can see people ending up paralyzed. Paralyzed, to way overly simplify, is your brain can no longer communicate with your body. So when you see people in a wheelchair, it's when, when the brain says, look, you know, foot, come up, come down, bend my knee, kick out forward. It's just, it's not able to communicate. So whenever there's a spinal injury, our first thought is we understand how delicate the spine can be and the importance of that messaging system to the rest of the body. Because if you break your neck, you can become paralyzed from the waist down. You can become paralyzed from the neck down and you can die. So the best thing to do, if you suspect a spinal injury, if I'm walking along on a sidewalk and somebody gets hit by a car, pop, and the individual falls on the ground, I'm thinking first thing is, is it safe? Is it safe for me to run in the middle of the street? If there's no other car around, I don't see anyone, okay, it's safe, I run over. What happened? I saw what happened. The guy got hit by a car, it looked bad, his head ate the concrete. My first thought is, he might have a spinal injury. So, if I deem that it is safe to stay there, I wouldn't move him. I'd leave him there. If I think that we weren't in any danger and that cars could see us, because in that case, I don't want to risk messing up his neck any more than, than it has to be. Because it is extremely crucial that we move his neck as little as possible in that scenario. Here's what gets a little more tricky and now contradictive. Is he breathing? That's another big thing of mine. Because I'm so worried about not tilting him, tilting his head and his neck. What if he's not breathing? What happens then? What do you do then? Do you prioritize the neck or do you prioritize his breathing? In that situation, generally speaking, from an educational standpoint, we would prioritize his breathing. The reason is, if I protect the neck no matter what, and if you're not breathing after five, six minutes, you, you, will, you will die. But if I go right for the airway, and I go to give you CPR and I say, screw the neck and I, and I, cause whatever position you're in on the ground, I'm gonna have to move you to do CPR. You might be paralyzed from the leg down, but at least you're alive. So it's one of those life over limb kind of scenarios. So in that situation, is it safe? What happened? I'm thinking two big things, airway, is he breathing? Two, uh, spinal injury. 
I want to try to move his neck as little as possible. How can you tell if someone's breathing? If you go to YouTube and type in, actually, perfect, Google that. How do you tell if someone's breathing? The way that we were taught personally is for regular people, there is one thing called a head tilt chin lift, where you have one hand under the chin, one hand about on the forehead, and you tilt the head back to listen to their breathing. Now, this gets a little bit trickier because if they have a spinal injury, you, you want to minimally move their head as much as possible. So that's why you do something called a jaw thrust. Again, I don't want to bombard you with a bunch of information because if this is just your first time listening to first aid, this is just gonna go way over your head and I don't want it to. But it's just important to understand these things where it's okay, broken neck or airway, airway should be the priority. Are you breathing, all right? Here's another one that's also really important, a deadly bleed. If you've got like a small cut in your forearm, dude, whatever. But if you've got a, a pretty large cut, maybe on a thigh area or near the throat or on the head, that's something that we want to tend to immediately. And the best thing you can do for a dead bleed is direct pressure. So if you ever come about someone and they have a deadly bleed, they're bleeding a lot, you got to put pressure on there. Now, I wouldn't use my hands. I know you watch movies and people get other people's blood all over them. I wouldn't advise it. You never know what kind of a sickness that individual might have. And if you happen to have an open wound somewhere or you're not sure, you just play it safe. That's not something that you want to get involved in. The best thing you could do in that scenario is if they are conscious, get them to, to apply pressure to the area. So if they've got a really, really bad cut on their forearm, I'd say, hey man, take your right hand and put it on top of your left forearm. Boom. We're, we're putting pressure on the bleed. Great. Now let's see what can we do. Do you have tissues? Do you have napkins we can put on top? All right. You're wearing a jacket. Let's take off that jacket. Let's put it on top. And we're going to keep putting things on top of this blood. And hopefully that's going to at least control the bleed. If it's not controlling the bleed, it's going to start bleeding through whatever it is. So if you put a napkin on and it bleeds through, we need more. We need more. We just keep applying dressing on top of it. So when we're looking at first aid, those are a couple of big ones. Is it a spinal injury? Are they breathing? Uh, deadly bleeds, those are really important. Uh, let's see, what, what's a better way I can, I can talk about this? So in the very beginning, we talked about choking. We talked about coughing. Let's talk a little bit about uh, CPR. Now, CPR is something that you do, I want to say almost always, if an individual is on the ground and they are not breathing. If they are not breathing, you do CPR. What does that mean? CPR is, at least in Canada, it's like this. I'm 99% sure in America it's the same way. 30 chest compressions, the way that we were taught as lifeguards, 30 chest compressions followed by two breaths of air. And the idea with the chest compressions is we want to, we want to pump blood throughout the chest and the rest of the body as close to the rhythm of the heart as possible. So if the heart is beating at a certain rhythm, we want to try to match that rhythm. A song that perfectly encapsulates this is Staying Alive by Bee Gees. So it's like, ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive, ah, ah. So that beats per minute. That's how fast your chest compression should be. If they're faster than that, it's not very effective. If they're slower than that, that's also not very effective. Chest compressions, whenever you want to do them, the biggest mistake people do is they bend their elbows. It is, there's no bent of the elbows. Your elbows are completely locked. YouTube it. Go to YouTube right now. Type in how to do chest compressions, how to do CPR. You're going to see three things. You're going to see um, hand on the chest right in the middle. And you're going to push in. Now in real life, you got to push so hard 
This is gonna freak some people out. You're gonna break some ribs and you're gonna feel the ribs breaking um, under your hands and it's gonna feel gross, but you have to keep going because you're saving this person's life. So there's that. And you're gonna see mouth to mouth. Now, when you do mouth to mouth, again, be careful. This is used at your own discretion. In movies, you see a lot of people sticking their mouths on someone else. I personally would not recommend it unless you trust the individual, you know them in terms of whatever bacteria, sickness, colds, or whatever they may have. This is where a pocket mask comes in handy. For years, I used to carry a, a pocket mask and gloves. I had it in the car, I had it in my backpack when I went to school. They're, they're lifesavers, folks. Gloves and a pocket mask. They can really save someone's life. So. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if all of this sounds gibberish, don't worry. Literally, YouTube, a pocket mask. How to use a pocket mask. What is a one-way valve? Um, what is a, a jaw thrust? What is a head tilt chin lift? How to check breathing? There are so many things that are so meticulous that you have to be careful for, but me coming out here and talking about every single little thing, that's not what this video is. This is just a small introduction to, to what this is like. So what a little bit of a taste of that would be. But when you get to first aid, always, always, if you forget everything I said throughout this video, always remember the first few things. Is it safe? What happened? And if I'm starting from the worst thing possible, I'm thinking airway, are they breathing? I'm thinking their neck. If their neck is compromised and they are breathing, I wanna move them as little as possible, okay? If they're breathing, but their neck is, is messed up, I think they might have a spinal injury. I wanna move them as little as possible. And the moment I come up on someone, I wanna call 911. Why? Just in case. If they are unconscious, immediately 911. If they are unconscious and not breathing, immediately 911. If they are unconscious but breathing, immediately 911. If someone has fallen, they've hit their head pretty bad and they're just lying there and you're not sure if it's a spinal injury or not, call 911. The dispatcher will pick up, you'll talk to them, and many people don't know this is, they'll actually guide you through what to do. If you call 911, they'll say something like, hi, like a 911 dispatcher speaking, what is your emergency? You say, hi, my name is John, I'm on a 123 Richton Road. Uh, this individual I just saw him walking, he fell, he hit his hand on a curb, he's lying here, I'm, I don't know, maybe he hurt his spine, I'm not sure what to do, so I just, I called. And they're gonna say, okay, John, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And then they're gonna ask you a couple of questions, and based on what you say, They'll tell you what the next steps should be and they'll completely walk you through it. So don't feel bad about calling. Don't think it has to be some crazy guy got stabbed with a sword. He's having a heart attack. No, man, it could be the littlest thing. If you're not sure, always call. I would rather you call and the dispatcher says, look, uh, we're not going to send an ambulance. It's not necessary. Just do X rather than you don't call and then you risk it. All right. So 911 is your best friend. If they're unconscious, you call 911. If they're not breathing, you call 911. If they're unconscious, breathing or not, you still call 911. If you think it's a spinal injury, like a really bad land on the ground where a guy's walking, hits the back of his head, don't um, rush to get him to stand back up. I've said this before on the podcast. When someone falls really badly, there's a joke that they sometimes make in the movies where they go, you know, um, stay there or don't move. And the guy on the bottom goes, actually, I was going to get up and start salsa dancing, right? And the joke there is because when you get hit really, really hard, you go into shock. And that spine is so delicate, you could be a couple inches away from tearing it and being paralyzed for the rest of your life. That individual doesn't realize it in that moment. So when he goes to stand up, pop, he rips it, 
And that's that, ladies and gentlemen. So, if people fall, tell them, hey, there's no rush to get up. I'm here. It's okay. When you go over, first thing you do is you introduce yourself. You go, hey, my name is Daniel. Can I help you? Hey, I know first aid. Do you want me to call 911? Do you need something? It's all right. I'm here. Because generally speaking, they're going to be in shock depending on whatever they're going through. Could be heart attack, anaphylaxis, could be stroke. And my recommendation, again, as always, I think everybody should know first aid. Now, one thing that I would do if I was you, once a day for 15 minutes, I'd go up and I'd YouTube one of these things. Not all at once because it's overwhelming. Once a day, tell yourself, okay, you know, today's Monday. I want to look at what is a stroke? What, how does a stroke happen? Is it preventable? What is the treatment? If, God forbid, my girlfriend, my mother, my father, if they're having a stroke, what do I do? Because it's better to know and it not happen anytime soon than not know and then it happens. So, do okay, today I'm just going to look at a stroke. What is a stroke? How does that happen? Um, all right, the next time we're going to look at heart attacks. If someone has a heart attack, what, what can I do? What's the best thing to do? 911. That's the best thing to do. I'll tell you right now, 911 and check if they have any medication. But I mean it, take your time, YouTube, Google this folks. This is the difference between saving someone's life. I mean that, that's not a hyperbole. If you really take a little bit of time every day or once a week, just YouTube it, it's completely free. You're lying in bed thinking to yourself, going, well, what is a seizure? If someone's having a seizure, do I want to try to pin them down? Mm -mm. Okay, do I just let them seize? Yes. Yes, my friends, you just let them go through the motions. It'll last for about, it could go up to 30 seconds, maybe even up to a minute. And then you check uh, breathing. But see, these things are good to know because when they happen, you're going to go into shock. I've had uh, lifeguards, co-workers of mine I've worked with for years. We've seen different things, uh, seizures, concussions, possible spinal injuries. We've had to use oxygen tank. And even them, after, after years of training, they, they get shocked. Why? Because in training, it's a different kind of intensity. You're relaxed, you're in your sweatpants, you're blah, blah, blah. You're you don't really think about all of a sudden it's happening. Going, Holy shoot, it's happening. This guy's having a heart attack. Oh, what, what do I do? And it's normal. The best thing we can do to overcome that shock of ourselves is to educate ourselves. Again, don't overdo it. Don't sit there for six hours looking at everything in first aid. And I tried really hard today not to give you guys too much. I know I see that and I've spoken for 25 minutes plus, but but really look at, look, what is CPR? How can I, everybody should be able to do CPR. At the very least, chest compressions, if you don't feel comfortable mouth to mouth, which I, I personally speaking, I wouldn't put my mouth in someone else's mouth unless I had a pocket mask or some sort of barrier between us. But everybody should know CPR. Everybody should know the signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis. What is that? YouTube it, my friends. It's a severe allergic reaction. The difference between a regular allergic reaction and anaphylaxis is you get swelling of your throat. Guess what happens? It swells up, your throat shuts, you can't breathe. What is the antidote to anaphylaxis? EpiPen. Blue to the sky, orange to the thigh, pop, smack it, hold it for a couple of seconds, let go, massage the thigh area. The moment someone's having an anaphylactic reaction, you call 911. EpiPen is not a solution. It is a temporary... It just buys you time, that's all, before the swelling comes back. Um, anaphylactic shock could be from people eating like shrimp, crawfish. It could be just a, a really horrific allergic reaction. So, again, go to YouTube, check these out. What is anaphylaxis? What is the treatment? Uh, what is heart attack? How do I treat it?
for the layman. I'm not talking doctor. I'm not talking surgeon. I'm talking a regular Joe Blow, just like myself. You're walking in downtown. You're out with your friends. You see an elderly gentleman clutch his chest. What do you do? Okay. Spinal, anaphylaxis, heart attack, CPR, choking. Think of the most common things and just familiarize yourself with them. That doesn't mean you got to learn everything. But just a little bit, just get an idea. Okay, these are the signs. All right, 911. If the only thing you took away from this video was if someone clutches their chest or if someone's falling on the ground really bad, or if I see someone unconscious, I'm gonna call 911 immediately, that's great. That's awesome. You could save a life because you call 911 immediately rather than hesitating and then three or four minutes pass. And we talked about earlier how important every second of every minute is when someone's not breathing, or in relation to a deadly bleed, or um, a heart attack where the muscles on the heart begin to die because of a, a lack of oxygen, and because uh, the blood isn't getting there, this lack of nutrients which leads to a lack of oxygen getting to the heart muscles, the heart muscle begins to die. That's why you feel the pain in your chest. You, anyways, folks, there's a lot to learn. I cannot stress this enough. This is so important. You could save someone's life. You could save your own life. Everybody should know it. Everybody should know it. So take some time this week. Please look into some of this stuff and feel more confident when you go out. And feel happier and healthier that you can take care of not just yourself, but of the people around you. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I know this was a, a lot of information. This was maybe a little bit more than just a beginner's guide, but I thought it was good. It was a little bit of a taste test. In the future, you will definitely see more videos about a beginner's guide about this or that or that or this. If you have things that you have questions about, things that didn't make sense, things that you disagree with, don't hesitate to reach out. Instagram is usually the best way to, to get across, or if you comment on one of these videos, I'll definitely check it out. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye.